Welcome to the Clear Choices Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Eigner, and it is my unique privilege to bring you intriguing conversations with people who have made the bold choices necessary to elevate their lives and create a positive impact on the world. By hearing their stories, I hope you walk away more motivated and more inspired to do the same in your life. Because we all have choices to make. My goal is to help inspire you to make more conscious and powerful choices, clear choices. Now let's get started. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another unique episode of Clear Choices. I'm sitting here with Matt Javitt. Matt is a very interesting man. Uh, He's done everything from become a top salesperson for an amazing technology company. He's a travel documentarian, and he and his wife not only created a show on Amazon called The World Barbershop Adventures, but he's traveled the world for more than two plus years. When he was a younger person, he was a D1, Division I college basketball player, academic All-American, and he's just led an interesting, interesting life. And we really are going to focus today on on his whole story and specifically uh, the the learning that he got out of the experience of traveling for such a long extended time. So Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Rob. Really appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, appreciate you having you here. So tell us a little bit about how this came to be because that two years, two plus years of traveling the world, that's a fantasy for most people. Most people are happy to take a two week cruise to Alaska or whatever, which is great, but it's not quite like taking a two year trip around the world. So how did that even come to be? Yeah, it was actually, um, it was a dream and seemed impossible for us as well, but um, it ended up becoming a reality. I guess just to take a step back a little bit, I worked, as you mentioned, I worked for this amazing company, a French-based company within technology services. So I was essentially a salesperson uh, within this organization in my hometown, uh, or I guess my, my now hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And through working with that company, starting off uh, early in my career, struggling a ton because I actually made a transition out from a different industry into the technology world. Struggled like crazy for the first couple of years, but then it hit a stride and took advantage of all the resources they gave me and began to uh, accelerate my career. And the last five years while I was there, I spent nine years with this company before we left. Um, I won an international sales incentive award each of those years. And the coolest thing about being with a French-based company, when they had these sales awards at the end of each year, they would take us to amazing places. So we had a chance to go to Istanbul, Turkey, Goa, India, Chiang Mai, Thailand, Cape Town, South Africa. And then one year they came to Miami, Florida. Um, And then each time I would have the chance to take my wife as well. So we would take advantage of these trips, build in some extra time in these amazing cities and really just have an awesome um, journey of going to these different parts of the world. And prior to, as you mentioned, I had this, this background where I was a military kid growing up. So I, I went to, actually went to three high schools, went to a bunch of schools. Um, I played college hoops, um, which took me to a lot of different places. I played in the Alaskan shootout. We played at Duke, got at Syracuse. So I got to go to all these cool places around the country, but I never traveled internationally. And so when I won these trips, first trip we went to Istanbul, Turkey, this was my true, truly my first experience internationally. And Istanbul, Turkey is just an amazing city, about 14 million people. It sits on the border of Europe and Asia. And it is just, uh, it's, it was just so wild for me 
uh, I can remember we were sitting in back-to-back traffic, noise and chaos everywhere. And I, I felt like I was Jason Bourne in the movie. It, it just, it, I'd only seen stuff, stuff like this in the movies and to be a part of it, it just blew my mind away. And uh, Mickey and I, um, we had a chance later that day to, to grab some coffee and just people watch. And at that point, I was hooked into what, just how different the world was and the fact that I hadn't been exposed to this and I just, I just wanted more of it. I wanted to ask, how old were you when you had that first foreign travel experience? Uh, Mid thirties. Mid thirties. I believe I was thirty-five. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, and I'm jealous as I'm listening to you talk because uh, I've won some sales awards in the past too, and they only flew me to either Orlando or Dallas. So you know, (laughs) Instant Bowl sounds a little more fun. Yeah. No, I I absolutely know that I'm. I was blessed to be part of this amazing organization, and um, and the cool part too about those trips was because there would only be maybe five or six Americans, I'd get that exposure to the sales team from Dutch and, and France and Spain. And I'd get to chop it up with these men and women from other parts of the world and understand how they do the craft and then take that stuff back with me um, for the next year. So it was an, it was an awesome experience. So to, to, to take all that in and at that point, Nikki and I were, we were hooked. So we started building in cause we were I, honestly in our, cause Nikki and I've been married for, we're going on 15 years now. We, we were that couple that would go to Vegas two or three times a year, go down to Florida, um, not that th- that's wrong, but we never even thought about going internationally. So after we had that trip, we came back home and we started um, started making lists of the places we want to go, which ended up being like Croatia and Greece and Panama, the country, Brazil, Argentina. So we started to do all these amazing trips. And every time we would come home, as probably everybody does after after 10 days or so, we were just left with like, man, I wish we had more time. And how so frequently we- were you doing these trips back then? So we were, we would get the, I would win the sales incentive award and that was usually in the first quarter. And then Nikki and I would take a big trip, uh, usually in August or September. And then sometimes we'd mix in maybe a December um, trip as well, because we, we don't have children. So we, we've got the flexibility to travel when it can be cheaper than, than people with kids or cause there's, there's some spots within a year, like right after Thanksgiving where people usually can't travel that we could travel based on our flexibility. So we would mix in um, two or three trips a year and basically just save our time off for, for those exotic type trips. So you're, you're traveling two to three times a year, you've got a great job that's allowing you at least one of those trips. And then at what point do you guys get to the decision of like, hey, we could quit our jobs, do a world tour for 27 months and, and take this to the next level? So to be honest, we... Um, so we're big goal setters as a couple when it comes to financial stuff and just personal goals. We sit down and we talk about the things that we want to accomplish because if we're not on the same page, it, it make it difficult for uh, one of us to, to achieve a goal if the other one's not on board. So we we do a lot of that on a, on a quarterly basis. And part of that at the time, I mean, uh, Nikki's got her doctorate in pharmacy. Uh, she's a clinical pharmacist. And at the time, we had the burden of those, uh, the, the heavy student loans that come with that. And I mean, we were juggling other, other things as well, but we decided that we wanted to do this full time. And so we put that as a goal uh, travel the world on our list of things to do when it wasn't even, didn't even seem possible. But, um, but then we continue to work at it. A lot of things continue to line up for us and we saved our butt off and we lived a kind of a minimal lifestyle. And we knew that if, if we, if we had the chance to do it, we would. So we got to the point after those years of work that um, we felt like we had enough to do it 
the right way and do it for a period of time that would make a difference in our lives moving forward, which for me was two, two years plus. And what was doing it the right way? I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. What, what's doing it the right way? Define that. For me, it was it was the long term aspect of it, the the at least two years, because I felt like if we got away from our day to day for that period of time, it would have a huge impact on our lives um, for the next chapter of our lives moving forward. So I knew that we had to have enough money to do it in a long term way, but also um, we knew that we were going to do it in an authentic way. We were going to volunteer some. We were going to. Um, be smart about our budget. We were going to stay in housing that wasn't very expensive, but you also have to travel. You also have to go from continent to continent, which costs a lot of money when it comes to flights and other transportation because the bulk of the money is transportation accommodation. So we knew we could keep our accommodations down most of the time, but there's some countries, you go to Japan, parts of Europe, you're going to spend more money. So we knew that, um, and I had an idea based on all the readings I was doing and the research I was doing, I knew what the budget needed to be. So as we got closer to that number, we knew that it was becoming more of reality. So uh, I, I want to hear more about the logistics, meaning, you know, the cost and the accommodations and all that. But before we go there, I, I'd say I want to hear more about just the, the main importance of this, which was the impact you said you were seeking uh, to yeah. get out of it. So talk to us a little bit about the critical ways it's impacted you, it's changed you, and what you've brought back now to your you know, now you're back in more of a traditional lifestyle here in America, yeah. working a job, et cetera. How has that changed who you are? Well, going into it, I knew that um, I knew that if we took this much time off, it would have an impact on us. And, and to, just to make be clear, we have amazing lives in our home. We, it wasn't a thing where we were running away from something, but we were running towards something. And, and, this, and running towards it was the travel, it was the culture, it was the people. So that, that we knew that um, because we had great lives with our families, our careers were amazing. We were basically leaving at the peaks of our careers at the time. And we were volunteering in our, in our networks, great church uh, community here. We were doing it for all the right reasons because we met a lot of travelers on the road where uh, they were running from something. They, they didn't like America for whatever reason. They were trying to find something on the road. But for us, it was more of what could we get from the people and the places that we were going that we could take that and, and the discomforts of not being at home and take those things and apply it back when we came home. And, and we did. We, we found all that. And also tap into some of the creative stuff when you're working your, your 50, 60-hour weeks in America that you just don't have time to tap into on a regular basis. So we knew that freedom would also open up our minds and allow us to do some things that we hadn't had a chance to do at this phase in our careers. And it, it happened. It, um, it was uh, based on all the people that we met in the different cultures, spending two and a half months in India, uh, spending six months total in Southeast Asia, getting to see people in some impoverished settings, but also getting to see uh, the beauty of how they live their lives and the differences, how they focus on community and family over their careers and the, just the balance they have when you're talking about some of those areas where uh, they have multi-generational living, when you've got three or four generations of families living together and just, just be able to take all that and be able to sit in it in a still way and really take it in. Like we, we were part of three different Indian weddings. Um, we had, we had a chance to, to live in, in homes of like a Buddhist and Hindus and, and um, be a part of Sikhism in Northern India. And then all the different aspects when it comes to Europe, going from all the way from Portugal to Poland and up to Estonia. So we had a chance to see all kinds of ways that different people live. And you just take little nuggets of everybody 
And as you, as you come home, it has had a chance to change us in a way of how do we look at this next chapter of life? Um, yeah, we're both very type A and career driven, but when you're molding in your entire, I guess, body of work, those things are, are probably have the most impact. Hello, listeners. I wanted to announce a very interesting and unique contest that we're going to be doing. As many of you know, I'm a coach and consultant and have worked with hundreds of business professionals, uh, helping coach them for both business success and success in life in general. And we want to put it out there to all of our listeners that anyone who shares the show, promotes the show on social media five or more times will be entered into a drawing for a free coaching session with me. So we would love to see uh, evidence of your shares uh, that can be found on the show notes of today's episode, how to do that. And anyone who shares our show more than five times will be entered into a drawing for a free coaching session with yours truly, Rob Iger. Thanks so much. And so I'm curious now if there's any critical or noteworthy habits or behaviors that are now forever part of your lifestyle back here in the United States in terms of, you know, maybe in India, you picked up morning meditation or maybe in another country, you're like, oh, I don't drink coffee. Now I drink mate or whatever it is. Like what, what changes have you chosen to integrate into your life? Well, we eat a lot more Asian food now. That's for sure. Mm. Um, we, uh, cause we just, we just fell in love with, uh, the Vietnamese and, and Thai and, and even Indian cuisine. But, um, but when it comes to those, those, I guess the exposure to Buddhism was, uh, amazing just to be, to be spend six weeks in Japan and as much time as we did in Asia in general and to be around people that, uh, kindness is the forefront of their existence and mm-hmm. to see how people, interact with each other. Cause I think that American, this is not a knock in America where we're a country that, that talks about religion and spirituality a lot to, to see the difference of, of talking about it and people actually living it. It's, it's very impactful. And just the, the way that people go about their lives in a peaceful way and that, and that stillness and calmness. Um, I did med- meditate prior to our journey and I still do, but you get to see kind of meditation in action when you're with a, a group of people that really live in, I guess, in a, uh, in a mindset, in a, a mindfulness, uh, a way throughout their day. They, so they, they, they embrace it in a more full way in their lifestyle than we do. It is. It's true. It is true. And then, and then to see Eastern, Eastern medicine in action as well, um, where they don't use, uh, cause we, we spent enough time there that we went through some illnesses and, and some pain and whatnot to see them use more, um, natural, ways of, of making your body feel better rather than just um, painkillers was another thing that, that we noticed. Um, and then just, just the way people interact, honestly, um, multi-generational living really, I changed my opinion on that in a, in a big way because when you see grandparents and parents and the children all living in the same homes and sometimes aunts and uncles, you see the impact it has on young people. And I think it's because it makes them understand they're part of something bigger than themselves and all pieces of the puzzle have to be um, have to kind of step up to make all of it work. And, and this was because Nikki and I had the chance to live in these homes for weeks on, at a time and to see how it all kind of worked together. It had an impact on me where before leaving, living in America, where typically when you get 18, you leave the house or maybe you stay at the house and, until you get through college a little bit and then you're, it's your duty to get out there in the world and, and, and make your way. 
in those countries and those communities, it's more of, no, we, we want you here because you're a piece of the puzzle and they like being around each other. And so all, all those things really changes your idea and your viewpoint on that type of setting. And so when I come back home and, and you hear like a buddy or, or a friend or somebody, they're in their early 30s and they're like, yeah, I have to move back home because, because of hard times. It's like, well, take advantage of it because all the other parts of the world do this all the time. And we've actually, we just had a conversation last week with some friends that um, she took in her sister and her sister's family. And as we were talking, because she comes from Russian descent, we're like, everybody else in the world does this. It's only America that kind of frowns upon this idea of brothers and sisters or parents living in your home. So do you feel like that's something you'll might be more open to, uh, you know, with your family, if it ever comes to a necessity? Absolutely. We've, we've even offered it up to my, my grandmother's um, getting close to 90. We've got a great, great aunt that um, she just turned 90. So for those folks, and then uh, our families, uh, Nikki and I both have kind of young parents, but we've told them our point of view has definitely changed on this. And if they ever need us, it's, it's definitely an idea. Awesome. So uh, I, I don't want to put you on the spot with this next question, because I know uh, that you probably loved things about every country you went to, yeah. like you said, Asian food, for example, was a big uh, shift that you brought back to your your lifestyle back home. But what what were some of the things that really stood out to you, like culturally in a country, or economically, or like you said, the the family integration through the generations? Like, what were some of the things that really stood out to you that kind of made certain countries special to you? Well, we ended our trip in New Zealand, and that. I'm so happy that we did that because the beauty of New Zealand is like nowhere else in the world. We heard it a bunch on our journey from other travelers, um, but when we saw it ourselves and had a chance to spend three weeks there, both on a North and South Island, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, it'll be something that sticks with me for a lifetime and hopefully someday I'll get to get back. So the natural beauty of New Zealand is is amazing. Like I said before, in particular Vietnam, the, the people of Vietnam and just, uh, I guess, the, su- the surprise of how good the infrastructure is there and how easy it is to adapt, but, but you still get that you're in a different culture vibe. You know you're, you're somewhere else on a different planet, but they, they try to speak English. There's kind of this post-war mentality where like the 20 and 30-year-olds are thriving. They've got money to spend. They're out in their cafes, nightclubs. They're, they're having a great time, and they're, they're trying really hard to make it a warm and welcoming place for other travelers. So, so we just, we just fell in love with Vietnam with the food as well. We love the food and the kind of the scooter mentality where you're scooting around all over the place. Yeah. I, I've been to Vietnam and I was, uh, I mean, I loved it. And, uh, Ha Long Bay was one of my favorite things, yeah. but one of the, one of the things that sticks in my memory was, you know, you talked about the scooter mentality. I mean, you would see multi-generational families all on one scooter, you know, with <laughs> yeah. a, ch- a chicken, a baby, yeah. Uh, grandpa, grandma, you know, dad's driving. And then yeah. the other thing that always uh, I found crazy was the way they do the, the wires on the street. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just like 5,000 wires that are all just kind of jimmied up. You feel like everyone's yeah. uh, uh, trying to get free cable or something. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, it's it. like an electrician's nightmare. It, it <laughs> really is crazy. It's, and it's hard to explain if you've never seen it. But, um, but yeah, that scooter thing is nuts. I, we heard a, a statistic that there's, 8 million scooters in Hanoi, the city of Hanoi. 
It, it's just what's the population of Hanoi? Yeah, it's like nine or ten million. I mean, there's there's so many scooters on the road, but it's it's just different because there's there's not as many cars, so it makes it easier. So we really we just really fell in love with that with that country, and we had a chance to see it from from top to bottom. Um, we spent about three months total in Vietnam on different trips, but um, but yeah, so so th- that really stuck out. And then when it comes to like like Europe, we fell in love with Portugal. Uh, Lisbon, Portugal is an amazing city, especially if you get a chance to go in June when they have all kinds of festivals there. Um, the history of Poland, uh, we spent three, three weeks total in Poland between Warsaw and Krakow and got a chance to go to Auschwitz, something I think everybody should do, even though it's a very sad and it's troubling, but it'll move you in and have you really thinking about the history of the world. Yeah, I've been to those places too and, um, and have visited the camps and uh, it's, it, no matter how many document documentaries you see or how many books you read or movies you see about world war two to actually go to that, to a place like that and kind of see the, the size and the infrastructure. It's, it's pretty overwhelming. It really is. When you, when you see the, uh, the piles of shoes and the piles of hair and uh, even the, like the, the living arrangements with the toilets and everything, it, it'll, it, it changes the way that you, you think about history and, and just humanity in general, because uh, it's just the part that, especially as Americans, we, we tend to try to ignore negative things, but um, it's something that we should all be, at least just be knowledgeable of, uh, to your point. It's, you can watch in the movies, but in, until you're there. Yeah, it's different. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's that. And then uh, we spent three months in South Africa, um, a, a country that is just the coastlines are gorgeous. The surfing opportunities. We're not really surfers, but just to be part of that. And I, I had a chance to get out on some, some long uh, fish trip, fishing trips. And uh, so South, South Africa is just, is awesome. And then our time in South America was fantastic. Getting to see like Machu Picchu and the Galapagos islands, um, just, just gorgeous locations. So super blessed on this, on this journey. Awesome. Well, I want to get more into some of the logistics too of the travel, but I'm going to integrate my uh, selected quote for you. So I just kind of want to see what your feedback is on this. Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. So in other words, travel can really eliminate prejudice. Absolutely. I I absolutely agree with that Uh, because the more the opportunity you see uh, to engage in other cultures. And, and it's really about getting outside of the resort and, and visiting these, these small towns and cities that you're a part of. The more the chances that you have to see that most people around the world are the same. We, we all have similar desires. We all want to do right for our families. We want to make some money. We want to enjoy life. The, the more that you can see that, uh, and then we had similar uh, problems as well, the more exposure you get to that and understand that the, the world is is kind of the same everywhere, but a little bit different, you'll come back understanding that you'll look at people a different way. And it it happened to us over and over because we would visit countries where you would, um, as you talk to other travelers that have been there, they have their perspective on what you're going to go into. So you kind of had that going in, but it's not until you actually go there and you meet the people and you have a, a chance to interact with them that you know that okay, this is, uh, these are great people and they're warm and welcoming people. And it, it really does. It breaks down all walls on how you might judge people when you come back home. Well, and, and to that point, that'll kind of lead me perfectly into some of the statistics I wanted to get your feedback on. And, uh, you know, this, this hopefully our, our interview today and 
uh, and the information you're providing, maybe it'll inspire some people to do some more significant travel because it's sorely lacking in our country. 11% of Americans have never left their state. 54% have been to 10 or fewer states. 40% have never left the country. But 76% want to travel more, but they cite money as the major barrier. So now that's a, that's a segue, not only get your feedback, but also then we can talk a little bit about how you made this trip work yeah. financially and the logistics. So first of all, just your response to those numbers. Um, it's, I mean, you know, it's true. And it's, it's something that when we talk about travels, we've had, we've had this deep passion for, for 10 years or so. And as you talk to people about the things you want to go see, some people don't understand it. Um, they don't understand why you'd want to go to another co- country or culture. Um, we've got so many things to see in America. Why would you want to go somewhere else first? And I, and I understand that point of view, but until you get that first dose of international vibe, you won't understand it clearly. And that's, that's the hardest thing about it is to, to explain it to somebody in words, it's, it's really difficult, especially with somebody that doesn't have a deep desire to travel. But if you do, I, my brother is an example. So my brother, I can remember, this is probably seven years ago, um, Nikki and I were going to Rio in Brazil. Uh, we, had a, we had a trip to go to, to Brazil and Argentina. We're going to see the Iguazu Falls and go to Uruguay. And my brother was like, what do you do? I just don't get it. He's like, what do you do when you go to these places? I'm like, man, you don't understand. You go to the cafe, you see people, you watch, you interact with them. You talk to locals, you go, we're going to go watch some street soccer, like all the cool stuff that comes with a trip like this. And he didn't get it. But during the end of our trip, my brother and his wife visited us for nine days in Vietnam and in, in Nang, Vietnam. We had an unbelievable time. And during about like the sixth or seventh day, we're on scooters out. We're checking out Monkey Mountain where they got all these monkeys and all this cool stuff. And he looks over at me and he goes, Matt, I totally get this. I get why you're doing this. And I I told him, I was like, dude, I've been doing this for two years straight, man. This is why I love it so much. And he got it. And as soon as we got home to the States, we already had planned our next trip. And Uh. we, we just, as brothers, this is the coolest thing about it is as brothers, this is something now we have the rest of our lives, the fact that we can travel together. And um, he, he and I, we just got back from the, spending two weeks in the Philippines together where we got scuba certified and, and, and took in that awesome country. But it's, it's one of those things where once you get it and you, you get the exposure, it's, it's, it's impossible to like talk somebody into that first international trip because when they hear like six hours on a plane and all these things that might go into it, they're immediately... They, they and they, and the expense, because it takes a lot of discipline. You, you talked yeah. about being goal-minded and, you know, you got to, you got to plan for this financially, Absolutely. logistically, there's, you know, maybe there's um, immunizations you need or certain documentation you need. There's, there's a, it's not easy. It's not just like flying to Florida. It's not, it's not at all. Um, but it, when you're talking about, when we, what we understand what we did is next level and we're, we're super lucky and blessed to do what we did. But when you're talking about that, that, two weeks of vacation or that one week of vacation where you always go to Florida. And my encouragement is, man, go to Portugal, go to Spain, do something different. That's, that's what I'm talking about is, is the idea that you can do that. And people always think about the expense, but if you're the type of person that's always going and staying in a hotel, the, the options out there today with Airbnb and, and some of the options that we used on the road, they're amazing. Pe- people are shocked when we tell them that we stayed in a free home in Zurich, Switzerland, one of the most expensive cities the, on the planet. We stayed for three weeks watching two cats. 
the the couple that we watched the, the cats for, they wanted to go on their vacation. So we stayed in, stayed in their home for three weeks. The guy had a wine cellar that I tapped into, drank a ton of wine. And all we had to do was watch their cats. So we were a four minute walk from Lake Zurich, had everything we needed in their home and we had it for free. So there's options like that out there where if you look into it, you can, you can utilize. And there's, I mean, Nikki and I did things like work away where we volunteered our services in exchange for a place to sleep and, and a meal or two a day. We spent a month in Victoria Bay, South Africa at a surf lodge doing that. One full month, free place to stay, hanging out, helping guests for about four hours a day. Did you, did you try to surf? I have attempted multiple times. I am... I blame it. I had a huge back surgery like six years ago. I just blame it on that, but I just can't pop. I can't do that. That quick pop up. It's, it's my, yeah, it's my I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a surfer and I, uh, you know, at 55, I'm just okay, but I, I do love it. And so I'm hearing you being on a surf camp in South Africa for a month. That's uh, that sounds pretty spectacular. So talk to us a little bit about the, uh, the show that you do. Yeah. You do. So, so world barbershop adventures is on Amazon prime now. Uh, season three just just hit, and essentially it's me and barber shops in the barber chair in these cultures around the world. Uh, so how it came about, we were about a year, a little over a year into it. I was in Bucharest, Romania. I was getting a haircut. The barber spoke really good English, English, and we were just chopping up, having a good time. And he kept asking me questions about the different barbers around the world that I had already been to at that point. And after just experiencing this in the chair and have a chance to talk to him, I went home to Nikki and I said. Um, the small apartment we were staying at there. And I said, I think we might want to start documenting this because I think this is something that some of the, some of my buddies back home would want to see how different these barbershops are. And, um, and so that's how it came about. And now we're, we're over 20 episodes in. And I have to, you know, since the listeners can't see you, uh, Matt has very coiffed hair, a nice <laughs> little, you know, line going across and a, a very tight beard. So he looks, uh, he looks like he's been to a barber quite recently. Yeah. Yeah. We got a, we got an amazing Dominicans here in Indianapolis. I found them. Uh, and, uh, yeah, these guys can cut hair, but yeah, so I've, so I've grown this appreciation for the barbershop. I'm not a barber at all. I just enjoy being in the shop and, you know, it's also, it's just a great little segment into the culture of the people in these areas and just how different you would think like a barbershop is everybody go gets their hair cut and they leave. It is totally different around the world. It's a home. It's a, it's a home away from home. And not only that, it, the craft of barbering in these different places and the scissors or the blade or like in Doha, Qatar, they put fire on my ears to get the little hairs off my ears, like crazy stuff like that around the world. is It's just different. Each spot's different. So just to be able to show that is, is pretty fun. I want to add to that a little bit. You know, first of all, my mom was a beautician, so I kind of was around, you know, a beauty shop my whole life growing up. But also, um, as I said, I'm Hungarian and have been there multiple times. I still remember to this day. So when I saw that you had that show, I was intrigued. I still remember to this day in the in the 80s when I was going there around my high school years, you could get a haircut for the equivalent of 25 cents. Yeah. And they would, you know, they do the hot shaving cream and the the hot towels and the straight edge razor and all that stuff. And and I was like, I'm going to get my haircut every every five days. Like, why not? Absolutely. You know, for 20. Yeah. And same thing with a massage. I could get a massage there for like a dollar, the equivalent of a dollar. I'm sure it's much more now, but yeah. I was just like, Oh, I'm going to get a massage every three days. Like, why shouldn't I, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, just coming back from the Philippines, the average price that we saw was essentially 80 cents us for a haircut. And what about, what about a massage? Oh, there it's man. 
you probably get a 60 minute for $6. Oh my God. Yeah. That'll, that'll, <laughs> that'll pay for your trip right there. Right. Cause oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. When that's what people think like travel can be expensive, but if you go to some of these other places, man, you can live like a king for, for not much, for not much. So what were some of the influences? Like I've always been a big Tim Ferriss fan and I was yeah. impacted by the four hour work week concept. I mean, I never, I never, for me in the business that I'm in, I never found it truly implementable, but the idea, the concept of, you know, being able to work remotely and, and, and work less and more efficiently, and then still be able to, in his case, travel extensively were things like that an influence on you. It, it really was. To be clear, we did not earn money while we traveled. We essentially saved our money, spent our money, and now we're coming back and trying to make money again. But his, his philosophies and ideas around traveling and, and kind of that digital nomad lifestyle absolutely had an impact on me as we were uh, dreaming about this and planning about it. And, it, and the idea that, wow, this, is, this could be a reality and really drove me to find people that were doing it, especially this long-term travel idea. So it was folks like him. It was reading Ralph Potts' book, um, Vagabond. It was it was um, things like that that really gave me this wonderlust and, and and wanted to dig in more to see what I could get out of a journey around the world. And then it was uh, it was understanding how people did it on the cheap using these amazing websites we have today. Um, it's it's still uh, when I meet people and I talk to them about Airbnb and they're like, "What's Airbnb?" I'm just like, "Oh my God, you're missing out on something big here because you can really cut down your costs." But at the same time, uh, like Nikki and I did on many of the places, we would live in a spare room with a host there. So if you're going into a part of the world where it's new to you, you have somebody that's living with you. That can it's a, it's a resource. Yeah, absolutely. It's a yeah. So they can tell you the cool, the cool restaurants to go to around the corner that, that aren't touristy, um, that the locals go to. And if you're really trying to get something out of it, that's, that's where you can grow. One of the, one of the coolest things my buddy told me, um, after our journey, we got home, him and his wife went down to Jamaica. And after his trip, he, he texted me. He's like, Matt, I took your advice. The last day we got out of the resort, we went to a small town and we kind of just hung out with the locals there. He said it was our favorite day of our trip. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, the, that's the idea is we go to these, if you're going to go to the resort, you can, you can go to a resort and it could look like any beach anywhere around the world. But it's when you get outside of the resort and you travel around the town, you meet, you meet the local taxi driver, you, you meet the, the, the guy that's selling fish on the corner, you talk to those people, that's where you get the introduction and what their, what their culture is really like and what it's like to live there. Absolutely. And I 100% agree. And I agree too with the, the Airbnb. I've had some great experiences uh, with that because you're, you're living you know, amongst people as opposed to in a resort or a hotel, which kind of yeah. that buffers you from... Uh, the realities of that place. So uh, if I could ask, what did it cost? Two years, you and your wife traveling to how many countries? First of all, how many countries? 35. 35 countries in two years. So if I do the math, so you're basically two weeks on average in each country, basically. Um, Kind of. So, so I'll just, the quick rundown is three and a half months in South America, both summers in Europe, eight months total in Europe, three months in South Africa, Two and a half months total in India, six weeks in Japan, about six months total in Southeast Asia. But then we ended with Australia for a month, 10 days in Fiji, three weeks in New Zealand. Nice. So as we, as we did all that, I love this question because everybody's scared to ask. It was roughly 150K. It was just under 5K a month. 
but we also had the expense, some expenses at home that ate into our budget a bit. But for the travel itself, it was 5k a month for two, 5k a month, everything. And all the travel, all the food, all the accommodations, nights out drinking, hanging out with friends, going to a museum, all that stuff. And obviously you bought some, you bought something from every country. I'm sure you brought some stuff home. Quite honestly, no, we did. We did ship some, a few gifts back to our nieces and nephews, but for the most part, we had, we had one backpack each and we weren't, we weren't stuffing anything in it. So we, we would have to buy t-shirts and I bought a parachute. Like you'd have to change wardrobes over 27 months, but for the most part, we stayed extremely nimble. But again, I mean, that's, that's like the, the fee to go to Machu Picchu. That's getting into the Taj Mahal. That's time at the Vatican going into St. Peter's, like all the things that cost money while you travel, that's into that as well. So, and if you live in a, in a place like San Francisco, LA, New York, you hear five grand a month. And that's, you're like, cheap, that's, that's cheaper than your life. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk to people in major cities, they're like, no way. And I'm like, yeah. And that's for two people. Right. So, so yeah, it's, it can, travel can definitely be cheaper than, than what you think. Um, and there's peaks and valleys in that too. Europe's more expensive. Japan's expensive. But then when you get to eight countries like Cambodia and, and Indonesia. Super cheap. Oh, so cheap. Like a month, our month in Bali was so cheap. You're talking about great meals for $4. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and like we were saying, massages, $9, 90-minute massages and things like that. So, we're, so we left it. And, and we also like we maintain our workout schedule. And so we were going to gyms and stuff like that. And uh, spending time at beaches and, and really having a fun time. So we'd go out to nightclubs and bars and, and cocktail with locals and stuff like that. Well, I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go back, brother. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. So tell me, what haven't I asked you that you want to make sure the listeners hear? Um, I don't know. I think it's, I, for me, it's, um, you, you hear something like what I'm saying, and I would read it and, and look at it online before we left. And you would think to yourself, oh, that's that guy. Or that's, he had a chance to do that. He's lucky. Um, that's not for me. At some point in your life, you got to realize you're allowed to live out your own dreams. And it, at some point, Nikki and I, it clicked for us. And when we decided like, we're going to do this and we're going to make this happen and we can do this. Um, because a, a lot of things we see, especially on social media and all the things we see, we, everybody has this glamorous life and uh, it's so fake and it's a facade. But um, at some point, you got to like take ownership of your own life and say, I'm going to do what I think I can do and I'm going to make this happen. Um, but until you make that, until it clicks in your mind, you're always going to be thinking it's, it's somebody else's dream. I love that. So Matt, um, why don't you do a little self-promotion for us as we wrap up the sh- show? Tell us the name of your show, where they can find it, uh, your website, anything else you want the listeners to hear. Absolutely. So the best place to find me is PassportJoy.com. That's the website for Nikki and I. That's where we have everything. That's where you'll find a links to World Barbershop Adventures on Amazon Prime. We've got a podcast on there that shares travel advice. Um, I published a book called Police, Brotherhood, and Uniform Around the World that was featured on Fox and Friends. That It's the book showcases the photographs that I took of police officers in all these different countries. And really, everything there on that PassportJoy.com is, is how you get in touch with me and has all the social media links as well. Awesome. Well, you were a a very interesting guest. Really appreciate you being here. I'll look forward to seeing your next adventure. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've been inspired and motivated by what you heard today, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Post it on social media, invite friends, and let me know if you have any potential guests. While you're there, leave us a review. 
We'd love to connect with you as well. So check out our Facebook page by searching Clear Choices. I'm available for speaking engagements and you can find more information by visiting our website at clearchoices.live. And all this can be found in our show notes. Join us next week for more inspiring stories that can help us all make clear choices. Thanks for listening.